image this morning because uh, as I was preparing what I was going to say, um, I just had this picture of the power and the fire of God. And uh, I just pictured this rocket <laughs> uh, that was taking off. And I thought, I wonder if there's an image I can show. And, you know, when you, you look at that and you see uh, the power it takes to lift a, a spaceship off the ground, uh, you realize that we need also power. We need the power of God in our lives to break free from the realm of the earthly living into the realm that God wants us to live in. There, there are constraints and, and right restraints, good restraints that hold us in position here. But we need a life empowered by God to break free from the gravitational pull of all that is in this world, the sin and the desires of this world, the desires of the flesh and all of these things. We need the power of God to break these things and to launch into the things of God. I've been so blessed as well by the worship this, this morning. Less of me and more of God. God wants us on the altar. He wants us to lay down our lives and to say, it's got to be God. At what point will we realize that all our best efforts in this world are not enough to fulfill the plan and the calling of God on our lives? We've got to come to the realization that we need the power of God in our lives. We, we sang about the breaking of the chains. What a powerful God that Christ broke the chains of sin and sickness and death and he set us free to live a life, a glorious life in him. And yet we seem to live a life that's based on our own abilities and what we can do when we get somehow stuck in the things here rather than released into the things that God really wants for our lives. And as the religious leaders looked on, little did they know the power that was at work in uh, the early uh, Christians. It takes, you know, a huge amount of thrust to, to launch uh, the uh, V, uh, the Saturn V5 off the ground. It takes 7.5 million pounds of thrust uh, to do that. But I tell you what, it takes an even greater power, the resurrection power, to lift people from the pull of this world, away from a life that's uh, just influenced and held back by our human nature. We need to have a life of the Spirit, a life empowered by God, a life that we're called to live. In Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17, it says, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Do you realize the power of the human nature? Do you realize the power it takes to release us from the grip of the things of this world? To live a life that God has called us to live? It is supernatural power. And we should be calling on the name of Jesus to be filled afresh with his spirit each day. Because otherwise, I tell you, we will remain earthbound. In the prayer meeting this morning, one of the prayers was, Lord, get us unstuck from the mire and the mud of this world. 
We need the power of God if that's going to happen. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to cast things off uh, that are constraining us. There is, uh, you know, the, the, the power of sin and of human nature is like gravity. It's a constant force that works against us and against the Spirit of God. They're in conflict with each other. But if we live by the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of sinful nature. We won't live for ourselves. We'll live for the glory of God. And I believe that everyone who sang those uh, choruses and those songs this morning meant every word in your heart. I did. All I want is God. All I want is him. I want to live a life that pleases him. Less of me and more of him. This is our heart's desire. But I'll tell you what, there is still a pull. There is still a power, at for, a force at work that's preventing us living the glorious life that we know we want. And this is the truth, isn't it? That the, the, the flesh and the spirit are working against each other. But oh God, more of you. More of your spirit in my life, please, Lord. In Acts 4.13, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. These early disciples were awake and on fire. And when they prayed, it was with fire in their hearts and in their bellies under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It was revival prayer that they prayed, earth-moving, heaven-shaking prayer that released heaven's resources here on earth. And this is the kind of praying that we need. But it only comes when our hearts are ablaze again. When we're awake in God, we need to be praying these sorts of prayer. And in Acts 4, verse 29 to 31, this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They got another dose. <laughs> now, you would have thought saying that prayer, they're already full enough. But I'll tell you what, they got another dose of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit when they prayed this prayer. And don't be satisfied, never be satisfied with the level that you're at. We need another dose. We need more of the Holy Spirit, more of the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. I need more, folks, and you know it. <laughs> and you need more, and you know it. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God once again. How many of God's promises do you think are going to be fulfilled? All of them, 50%? 70%? Maybe 95%? How many? All of them. And this is a promise that God made, and it's on your notice sheet. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the anointing that we need. This is the power that we need this day. And this is the promise we've received. The power of God to come upon our lives when we bow our heads and bow our hearts before God and give ourselves unreservedly to him. Now when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Was this promise for then and not now? It's an event that, that, that it isn't just consigned to the history books. We should expect the same outpouring of the Holy Spirit today. It says, for all who are far off, whom the Lord would call. That's you and me. We're the ones who, who, who Joel had in mind, who God had in mind, who the Holy Spirit had in mind when these words were spoken, who Peter had in mind, who Jesus has in mind. We are the people today who God is saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and you will. <laughs> we need this anointing and this power and this gifting of the Holy Spirit. Now, for many Christians, it might feel as if we've been around the block more than just a few times and ending in the, back in exactly the same spot. The promise of breakthrough, the anticipation of outpouring, or whatever it might have been that we've been hoping for. We may think it's because we're, we're not seeing things here, revival here, that it's not happening anywhere else either. The fact is that God is pouring out his spirit in this day on ordinary people all over the world. And we can expect exactly the same to happen here. Because the promise is that he will pour out his spirit on all people, on all flesh. And I know this is happening because it's happening in me. And I believe others know it's happening because it's, it's happening in you. And there is a strange stirring starting to take place. And we are starting to come alive and to realize that something beyond ourselves, something of God is starting to happen, is starting to grow and build in this church and in the church more widely. There's a move of God happening. And I want to be part of it. And I believe we want to be part of this. Hallelujah! <laughs> I was recently given a, a, a copy of this uh, book and asked if I'd read it, and, uh, and so I did. <laughs> and some of you may know the, the chap who's written this book, a guy called uh, Bill Kennedy, and uh, he is a local lad and a painter and decorator. But I'll tell you what, he had a simple faith in God, very simple faith. He came to the Lord with a powerful outpouring of his spirit on his life. And you know, he's painting skirting boards, and as he's painting, he sees visions and pictures. And he saw a picture of a minibus, and so he didn't just say, oh, that's an interesting picture of a minibus. He said, God must be telling me to, uh, to buy a minibus. So he seeks God on this uh, and says to his wife, God's telling us to buy a minibus. And his wife says, I know. I've felt this for a while. And so they, they didn't have the money or anything for it, but God gave them the resources. He gave them even the exact picture of the minibus that they would buy. And 
events in his life just went on like this, just steps of faith, hearing from God, obedience to the word of God, the simple trust and obedience, and God's using this man. A simple man of faith, it's a simple book, but in it are testimonies of how God has been faithful throughout his life. And I was inspired by this. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. He's now in the Czech Republic. He's uh, started a work there, he's moved there, and he's believing God again for a move of God there and to use him in that place simply obedient to what God is saying to him. And sometimes we complicate it too much and we, we think, oh, well, maybe, oh, if and but and whatever. And, and we doubt and we fear and we wonder, did God really say it? But I believe we can trust in the Holy Spirit. We can allow him again to start speaking into our hearts and lives, giving us pictures and visions and ideas and thoughts And we just turn it all to him in prayer and we read his word and we allow the Holy Spirit to move us as God is calling us to be moved. And uh, I said I'd give this book a little plug (laughs) because uh, he's he's generously given us uh, some of these books so that if we sell them, we can use the proceeds for mission or for whatever we choose. And so just give a gift. There's some downstairs if you want a copy. I've left them there as as well uh, for you. But you know the... The, the fact is that God is moving in the world today. Now, Kingsway Christian Fellowship came about because of a move of God and a work of God. God moved and brought people with this fire in their belly saying, I, I'm not satisfied with the old tradition and the old way of doing things. There is a, there's something else happening and we need to move with the fire of God. And, and there, was, there was joy in the presence of God, and a move of the Spirit of God. And I'm not just harping back to the the past, and what I'm saying is that this today is no different to any other day in God if we will call out to him and cry out for a move of the Holy Spirit again in our hearts. You know, I've I've been in in, times in the presence of God, and, and tears have rolled down, and God has spoken deeply into my heart and into my life. And I believe the same is true here. Over the years, we've seen people who have been delivered of alcohol addictions, who've had broken lives and broken marriages and all manner of things. But the power of God has broken through into their lives. The power of God has changed everything for them. And there's been new life. We shouldn't just feel we can go on the way we are and be happy with that or satisfied with that. There's a breakthrough to be had in your life. And in my life, in your circumstance, there are breakthroughs to be had if only we will cry out again to the living God. He is the answer. He has the power. He has the plan for your life. And if we listen to him and get on track with him and his purposes, his plans and his way for our lives, who knows what God will do? Isn't this what we want? And it's simple. We just lay ourselves down and say, Lord, it's all about you. It's nothing about me. I need God. I need him in my life. The report of the early Christians was that ordinary men and women, as we heard last week, were turning the world upside down or right way up, whichever way you want to look at it. Everything was being turned on its head. People were living radically different lives from others who were in the communities around them. And there was such growth in the church that even the local economy was being uh, impacted. 
The trade in household gods had suddenly gone dead, just like the gods themselves. People stopped consulting those who made money from mystic arts of fortune tellers and telling and mediums and stargazing and the like, and they burned the books and the things that uh, encouraged all these activities. They got rid of them. And I hope there's no one here that turns to the pages in the papers or looks for your star signs and things like that. It's a deception, folks. If that's you, you need to repent and turn from that and get rid of that from your life and trust in the living word of God and trust in the plan for God in your life. These things are deceptions. And we must call them out for what they are. There are wicked and spirits at work today who will have you dragged into all manner of things. There's filth in all manner. And we've got to turn our backs on these things and say, no, I choose life. I choose God. You know, there is a, uh, a real truth in the fact that if we turn away from, from something that is not of God, God immediately gives us something of the life and the freshness and the joy of him. He doesn't leave us empty. He fills us. And he takes pleasure and smiles when we turn our lives completely to him and, and make those choices for him alone. Those who had were sharing with those who didn't have so that the poor were being fed and there were no needy people among them. They opened up their hearts and their homes to one another. There was radical kindness. There was radical love that turned all of their world upside down. And this is just a little tiny taste, a snapshot of what was happening in that day. And I want it today. You know, I want this love of God to be manifest in the body of Christ so that there are no needy among us, so that we do notice one another, so that we do care and pray for one another and see that everybody uh, in this body is cared for and loved and empowered and prayed for. Don't we want this, a community of love where people say, look at this. This is, this is the body of Christ. They'll know them because of their love for one another. They see something of the reality of Christ in our lives as we relate to God and as we relate to each other and as we relate to the world out there. We often li limit the effectual working of the Holy Spirit uh, to just, I say just, <laughs> they're wonderful, the charismatic gifts. We need the speaking in tongues, the prophetic gifts, the healing, the miracles, the words of knowledge, the discernment. But also, a sign and wonder was when people were radically changed. When their hearts were so radically transformed that, that the, the brightness and the glory and the life of God was shining out of them. And Jesus' prayer was that his glory would be manifest in this day, in and through our lives. And I believe his prayer is being answered. The days when people uh, could just go forward and receive Christ for forgiveness and no more are over. The days of church membership are over. Glory, uh, it's, the, it's the glory uh, that the world saw in Jesus and the early Christians that must be seen again in the body of Christ. I'm not satisfied with the little bit. As wonderful as it is to be saved and to know our hope and our, glo our glorious future, there's a life to be lived for Christ here and now. There is a, a powerful life in God that we need to live today. And I'm not matching up to it, folks. 
I'm crying out to God for this. And I join you in this because if you're the same as me, this cry of the heart, Lord, please change me because I'm nothing like what I need to be. As I look at the scriptures, as I look at Jesus, I say, I need to change. There's so much in me that is just not where it should be. And I believe it's the same for all of us if we're honest. But glory to God, by his power, we can be a different people. We don't have to stay the same. In the scripture, it says, can a leopard change his spots? Well, no, it can't. But by golly, God can change us by the power of his spirit. In his uh, book called Miraculous Moments, a man, I've mentioned this in the past, a guy called Jerry Trousdale, talks about how hundreds of thousands of Muslims are turning to Jesus. And gathered reports from many ministries who serve the Muslim populations worldwide suggest that there may be a, a million or more people turning from Islam to Jesus every year. This is incredible. But whatever the actual numbers might be, and I'm sure no one really knows, what they're witnessing is church that looks a lot like the book of Acts. And it's happening in some of the most unexpected places in the world. People hungry for the word of God. Angelic appearances, Jesus appearing to people and speaking to people and turning them. Sheikhs and imams turning to Christ. It's, it's wonderful news, folks. This is the power of the Holy Spirit when he moves. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit that we need and that we can experience in our day, in our land, in our church, in, in Waterloo, in my life. This is the same power, folks. And this is the power we should be crying out for. It's available for us. Holy Spirit longs to fill us. Jesus prayed that we'd be filled with his spirit. But the Bible says, ask, ask, and he will fill you. He will give you his spirit. But this asking isn't just, oh, Lord, you know, if you must. It's a crying out from something deep within us, a, a, a deep inner uh, urgency and desperate need for God, a God cry that rises up from within us and says, Lord, unless you fill me, then I am absolutely useless. I'm pathetic, but empowered by, the, by God. He can use what little resources I have and feed thousands. And it's the same for every one of us. If we give all to him, and he gives all to us. And the, our true understanding, our understanding of the true nature of repentance is such a key to the gospel message. And it's worth, I think, reminding ourselves about this. I've heard many people uh, recently just saying, oh, we need repentance, we need to turn. And I believe that's right. In Mark 1, verse 15, it says, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. When we hear a call to repentance, what sorts of things, what sort of images does it often conjure up in our minds? I always, when I hear it, I think of the, the person I've seen or many people I've seen outside stadiums or outside of place with, with the, uh, the sandwich board on saying, repent! And it kind of goes, ooh, you know. And, and yet, this repentance seems to have these overtones of condemnation, of anger, of finger pointing. And this is far from the message that Jesus preached. 
the good news. It's good news. And it begins with a call to repent. It's a cry to cry out to God who holds out the offer of a new beginning for all people, including me and you. A new start, folks, a new beginning for our lives. Every day in Christ, a new beginning. Hallelujah. We may have failed God even before we came to church today. Before we set a foot in the church, we may have failed God in the church. But praise God right now, a new beginning in Christ if we turn our hearts to him and say, yes, Lord, I choose you, I choose life. The call to repent is a call to change your mind and the direction of travel in the light of a more wonderful reality. Once we were completely unaware of the hope that we found in Jesus, but when we discovered this, you know what, we just didn't want to continue the way it was. You see, repentance isn't just turning away from something to nothing. It's turning away from the old rubbish life. <laughs> a desperate life away from God to a life that's a wonderful truth with great hopes and expectations in him. A life empowered by the Spirit of God with new purpose, with new joy and, and great hope. We need to drop the old way of living in favor of a more wonderful way of living. To live a Christian life is to accept a wonderful alternative to the old, ineffective, self-destructive, self-oriented, self-indulgent, self-dependent way of living. Jesus wanted us to see that turning away from the world to himself is good news. And the time has come for every one of us to enter into this new reality accepting that there's something far more valuable and worthwhile than anything that we could possibly achieve down here. And Jesus explained this in a number of parables, didn't he? The parable of the hidden treasure and of the pearl of great price, the message that we are accepting something of far greater value than anything that we might have to give up for him. But, you know, the message wasn't simply that they should change their behavior from good to bad, uh, from bad to good, <laughs> even. <laughs> but I got you thinking. <laughs> but to live a life that's not self-propelled, it's not just a, a change from a bad life to a good life. It's a change from a self-propelled life, a, a self-empowered life, to a life lived in the total and complete dependence on God. This is the change that needs to take place in me and each one of us, I believe. Re uh, regardless as to whether your self-life appears to be good or even if it's bad, the transfer has to be from self-reliance to God-dependence. And God promises to pour his spirit to those who are deeply aware of their need of him who realize that they can't do it without him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And I think the frustration that many people are feeling in the church today is because there's so little of this spirit-empowered life. And many of us have turned from God-inspired and empowered living to well-intentioned ways of living. I know it happens ever so subtly until suddenly we see that we have been around the block again and there's no fruit for our labor. 
So I ask you the question, are you stuck? Are you stuck at a level of Christian living that fails to break free from the pull of this world? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You attend church and you know the stirrings and movings of the Spirit of God. And yet you know there needs to be a breakthrough. You know that you were born to fly. A thief attempting to steal an eagle's egg was running across some farm fields in a bid to escape the authorities. And as he ran and jumped over an enclosure on a farm, the egg dropped from the bag into a soft grass. And the thief escaped, but without the eagle's egg. Without the eagle's egg. Now, the, the egg was destined to die, but for a, a broody chicken that happened to be passing by. And as it saw the, the egg, it sat on it, and after a while, this egg hatched. And this great big chick <laughs> appeared out of the egg. And this chick, amongst all the other chicks, decided to do what all the other chicks were doing. It would peck away on the ground, turning over bits of soil and whatever to get whatever rubbish it could to feed on, perhaps eating the few handouts it was receiving. And then one day, as it looks up, it sees this great eagle soaring in the sky above him. And there's a longing in his heart, a desire within him to say, I, I wish I could be like that. If only I was an eagle. Little did he know who he was. And little do you and I know who we truly are. Created in the image of Christ. Made to be the dwelling of God. The temple that Solomon built was incredible. An incredible uh, construction. It says that there were a thousand talents of gold that were used. A talent is 34 kilograms approximately. 3.4 million kilograms of gold. Now that, if you want to put it into perspective, is nearly as much as what is held in Fort Knox. To build a temple, one million, it says, um, talents of silver. Oh, eh? Now we're getting some. Imagine putting out a tender to build the temple and saying, well, what's the budget? Well, it's going to be approximately 200 billion pounds. A temple. And Solomon, he said, he, he got on his knees and he prayed. The glory filled the temple. It was so glorious, the presence of God that filled the temple. The weight of it was so, so dense and his presence so, so certain that even the priests, the ministers had to, had to stop what they were doing. And when God is present, you know, we stop what we're doing and we allow God to do what he wants to do. And this is the glory that we need. In our lives, it says, you yourselves are the temple of God. We are living stones being built into a glorious temple for God so that he might be seen in and through us in this day. And God gives his spirit in a number of, in two distinct ways. He comes to indwell us as a source of inner life. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that comes through our lives. And many of us, I believe, have been living on this level of the indwelling Spirit. And as wonderful as it is, and the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives, there is another outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's needed. The Pentecost outpouring that we all need in our lives. The Joel outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we all need in this day. So that we're not just living by our own resources but we're living 
by the power of the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and uses us for his purposes. So that the love of God might be manifest in us and through us. This love of God, you know, it's not something that we can demonstrate to anyone in our own selves. It is only a love of God that reflects his character and his nature, his love. And when he fills us with his spirit, he gives us the ability to give that love back to him. It's a Godward love. Also, he fills us with a love in ourselves that transforms us and changes us. And then he also gives us a love for others. A new commandment I give to you is that you love one another. All men will know if you love one another. This is the love of God that we need. We're going to reflect on these things as we take communion now. And I would encourage you to just reflect on where you're at in God. As we come together, we're reminded of the price that Jesus paid so that we might have life. He paid, didn't he, the ultimate price for us. Nailing, being nailed on the cross so that our sins are nailed with him on the cross so that he might clothe us with his righteousness and so that we might enter into the very presence of the glory of God a sin-washed, beautiful in the sight of God, able to talk to our Father and ask, able to talk to him and allow him to talk to us, which is something we so often neglect. And in this time of quietness, as we reflect on what Jesus has done, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to minister to you, to speak into your hearts. You know, we share together in the living bread, Jesus came to give us the living bread. And we break the bread in remembrance of his death on the, on the cross, broken for us. And we take of the wine to remember that new covenant, his blood poured out for many, for all of us, that we might be washed and cleansed and purified in him. So let's just bow our heads and pray, and then uh, people will come and just serve us the communion together. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that each one of us here, Lord, is born to fly. Lord, and we do just as it were in our spirit, just stretch out our wings this morning. Lord, and we say we want the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, to lift us up beyond the natural into the supernatural, into the things and the flow of you. We want to let go of those things that have hindered us so long. And we thank you, Jesus, for the shed blood so that the past is the past and the future can be glorious in you. Lord, we just remember you now in Jesus' name. Amen.